What is up? Welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks NBA. Of course, I am here with my great co-host, JD Oracle. You guys, be sure to make sure you're following JD on Twitter. You see all of these great graphics, layovers, the video, the new intro. Um, that's all JD, man. So uh, be sure to follow this guy. If you guys need graphics, hit him up. He's, he's always open to working with everybody. Um, real good dude. Glad to have you back on the show as my permanent co-host, as we announced last week. Um, be sure to follow JD on Twitter at JD Oracle underscore DDS. If you don't follow me yet, be sure to follow me on Twitter as well at Scotty Drown. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok even. I'm out here making TikToks now. So <laughs> find me on TikTok at Scotty Drowned as well. Um, as you guys know, we got a very special guest uh, joining us on the show today. Um, you guys may know him from Last Out Media. He's a columnist there. Um, I also worked with him a few times minorly uh, with the Painted Lines. He's an NBA uh, beat reporter, also a Sixers writer, reporter, um, insider. You guys know him, Austin Krell, at NBA Krell on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Austin. I'm glad to finally get you on Scotty Talks, my man. What's going no, on? No problem. Thank you for having me, guys. It's uh, it's a... It's a, it's a nice Tuesday night to be here, you know. Yeah, we got some uh, game six pregame action going on. Um, definitely going to get Austin's opinion on a multitude of topics. Uh, we got NBA offseason. We'll dig into a little bit of Dame talk, obviously. Um, obviously, Sixers talk. Austin's very close with the Sixers, so we're going to get his, his opinion on some of those questions. And then, of course, we'll finish up with some NBA finals talk, uh, some NBA finals questions as well. But um, also want to start the show, say happy 25th birthday to you, Austin. Your birthday Thank was yesterday, you. man. Hope you celebrated, had a good time. Uh, but now we get to dig into some basketball. <laughs> yeah, I, I blew all my money in AC this weekend. So that was, so, so, so that was, uh, that was certainly, you know, I, I, was, I was left, you know, in the dust a little bit. I was, I was trying to find my, you know, hitchhike my way home because I, because I blew all my money. But uh, now nah, I had, had a good birthday, you know, uh, I'm I'm not a big party guy. I will say I'm I'm usually pretty low key. So my 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 friends from home got me out of my show a little bit, and they dragged me to AC where I was basically the dad in the room. So you know, it, 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 it's, all, it's all good stuff. Hey, awesome! And anytime you you spend all your money in AC, it's got to be a pretty good weekend. So I'm, I'm right. happy for you in that aspect. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive right in, um, guys. If you're not following Austin, make sure you're following him on Twitter at NBA Crow. He does hit us with the newest of news any chance he gets um he gets it first so be sure to follow him for all the updates with the nba sixers um he covers it all um so let's let's dive into it um i did want to kind of you know just start out with uh your your latest article for the painted lines um on damian lillard when that news dropped last thursday friday ish um basically you know rumors of him hinting at that he might want to you know request a trade out of portland um Let's start here. What is your just generic feel on the Dame Lillard situation? Do you think that he can? Do you think that he could actually get moved this offseason? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I do think that like you don't really often see guys um, just come out and say like I want to be traded. I've had enough. But you know, usually it's sort of it's like a snowball type thing. Uh, the James Harden 
did it last year. The Shams report was like basically verbatim. It was like James is committed to Houston, and then li- literally a week later, it's he wants out, and then two months later, he's he's having his intro presser with the Nets. So I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, player speak, I guess, a lot a lot of politicizing of, of these type of situations. Um, I, I do think that a, a guy like Damian Lillard is probably out there a little less than a guy like James Harden. Um, so I I, I think it'll be kept a little bit more low key. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, where there's smoke, there's always fire and he knows he's not getting any younger. Um, it probably doesn't help Portland situation that his lasting memory of this season is going to be dropping a double nickel on the, on the, on the nuggets shorthanded and them and still losing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's something that, we've all kind of speculated about in the past. And I think this is the season where it finally could come to fruition because I think he's sort of come to grips with the fact that take a, a take, take a, 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 you know, a canvas of the rest of the league. There's where is their window? And I, I just don't see it anymore for, for them in Portland. Yeah. And um, you know, that's kind of my, my, you know, outside look outside perspective on it is just that, you know, when you're running into the same problem every single year, and it's actually kind of getting worse, you know what I mean? They're exiting the first round this year. Um, so when you, you're seeing the same thing happen, you're, you're running the same team out there basically with the core with CJ and Dame, and you're just running your head into a wall, right? Like it, it's, it's not working. So I, I do think they got to make some type of move out there. Um, so just kind of a, a follow-up question to that, what are the fits? I know you mentioned some in the article, but if you want to kind of just elaborate for my listeners, um, what what would be your ideal fits for Dame? And then a, a follow up question to that would be, are the Sixers a fit? Right? Um, yeah. so you just want to digress on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think both sides would would find themselves in a pretty good situation with, with in Philly. Um, the Sixers obviously need a perimeter you know, shot creator. And I mean, he's not even just that he's a guy that's an elite level scorer. Um, And I think Dame would also benefit from having an elite level rim protector. Uh, I wrote this in the article, but Portland's offense has never been the problem because they have Damian Miller, they have CJ um, and, you know, they they can, they can, they can pour it in. But the issue has always been that their defense has, just isn't good enough. And it stems from the fact that they're, perimeter guys aren't good enough uh, defensively. Covington was like a nice idea, but he can't carry a defense by himself. Right. They need, they, they, you know, and I, I think you can make the argument, well, if they're giving up Ben Simmons in a deal, you know, their defense is going to get worse. Yeah, but historically speaking, if you look at the best defenses on a year-to-year basis, most of the time it's going to be anchored by a, by, by a really good rim protector, which Embiid is. So I think you can sort of – talk yourself out of the idea that like Damian Miller would, would, would neutralize how good they are on defense with his poor defense. I think it'll take a step back obviously, but as long as they have him beat, as long as they have, you know, their, their core principles and the guys that can play in those systems, they'll be fine defensively. Um, and it, I think, you know, what he adds offensively is such going to be such an up would be such an upgrade for the Sixers that it would just negate it in the way, in the end uh, when all is said and done. But in terms of fits, any team that has that, I think, is really good, um, and you know, I, I, I think just any team that can give him better spacing 
um, would help, which I don't really buy that being like the Lakers or the the Knicks. I don't know how the Lakers even pull that off because they, they washed away all their assets in right. uh, the day of this trade. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess you go like first round picks in perpetuity and then, you know, like Kuzma, but like no one wants Kyle Kuzma. He's, he's not a good player. Um, and so, you know, I think they're kind of, like, Lakers are always going to be in rumors because they're the Lakers, but I right. just don't see how that happens unless there's like a multi-team, a multi-team deal. And then in which case, you know, you tip your hat to, to, uh, to Rob Palenka because he, that's a genius move. Right. Um, the Knicks, I think, are interesting because of the, of the relationships there with Leon Rose, um, and because he, you know, and like Worldwide West, they're, they're very, they're very deliberate in that front office with with the connections they have. That's why they, they guys are in those spots because they they are plugged around the league. They have relationships. They can they they can talk to people, um, and they have that equity. And so, I I, I do think you know that that's an interesting fit. They have the money. But I think if you look at the teams that are rumored, and my article is solely based on the, the rumored teams, because I, I, because I think Lillard keeps it tight lipped. He talks to Chris Haynes, obviously. Uh, he talks a lot. You know, I think the national people have their ways of getting connected to him. Um, it's not that easy when you type like my name's Austin Krell, right, for a small website in Philly. Like no one cares. You know, they want to talk to the people from ESPN or Yahoo, right? right. Uh, athletic. Um, but I, I, I just think if, the, if we're going by the teams that were rumored, um, I have a hard time seeing how the Sixers don't get Damian Lillard. I, 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 I certainly think they should be the leader in the clubhouse to get him. Um, assuming those are the teams, of course. And I, according to the bet, uh, bet online, uh, which their PR emails me their bet stuff every day. It's very annoying, but. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they're, they're like the second highest odds behind the Knicks, um, which I, I kind of get, I kind of don't get. But if you look at if you look at the commonality amongst all of the teams that are rumored, all of them have some sort of big man that can do more than uh, Yusuf Nurkic can do, can do more than Ennis Kanter can do. Right. Uh, Adebayo is in Miami. He, you know, I'm sure Portland would probably ask for him back in a deal, but I think the idea for Miami would be to build around uh, Lillard and 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 Jimmy and Adebayo, not give up one of them. Um, New York, I, I I've heard some rumors about New York adding a big, um, so but I'm I'm trying to confirm that before I say anything. So, um, you know, that that would put them in the conversation and make that and that would make sense then. Make it um, yeah, like Lakers have Anthony Davis. So I mean, all the teams that, and the Warriors have Draymond, who is one of the best facilitators out of the high post and you know, DHL guys out there. So, you know, I, I think that if you're looking at those common trends and how those things benefit Damian Millard, I think that puts Sixers in a great spot because Joel Embiid is a, is a massive human being. Right. Um, and if you put him in a pick and roll heavy offense, he'll become a better pick and roll player. The whole, I think the part of the reason why he hasn't had to become a great pick and roll player or the reason why he isn't is because he hasn't had to become one. They've never ran it that heavily yeah. with Ben um, and Tobias, well, Tob- Tobias a little more, but they're not they're not running it for for Tobias to, to, to drill pull up threes. They're running it for him to get to the little eighteen foot area. And right. I think having Lillard would inspire Embiid to play a much different pick and roll type of game. So I certainly think they're the leader in the clubhouse if if the rumors are true. Um, and if you know in terms of who will be off limits in a trade, nobody <laughs> like 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 I, I'm so tired of going on Twitter. 
and like seeing these fans like well we can't give up Thibault we can't give up McMaxie you can't give up like no you, you if, if you give up whoever they want you to give up because it's Damian Lillard you can the, the theory of of Matisse Thibault is a fantastic one um and of course it probably doesn't help the idea that they can that that, that they can you know like that they can trade him because he went went out and got like defensive player you know second team whatever it was right um, and you know, but the idea of Tyrese Maxey is a great one, but these are all players that I think we have to view with this idea that Tyrese Maxey looks great because he's a player type that the Sixers haven't had in how how many years? Like they haven't had a guard that can make floaters. They haven't had a yeah. guard that can put downhill pressure on the rim and um, and you know and and then score at the basket, score on three different levels. Is really really smooth, dicey with the ball. Um, you know, in those things inflate his value to the fan base. But I think that archetype is so, so, you know, um, common in the modern game that I think you can find those guys uh, with, with, with later first round picks and, and, uh, and whatnot. Now, grand people would say that, well, Tyrese was supposed to be a top five pick. If he had stayed another year, that's a valid point. I, I can't speak to that, but um, no one's off limit. And Daryl Morey loves trading picks anyway. I wouldn't get to, I mean, this is just me speculating, but I wouldn't get to like, too close or too, I guess, uh, infatuated over first round picks this year because I think that there's going to be something happening up to the deadline uh, for the draft. That is, so you know, I, I I think if it's picks, if it's first rounders, if it's Tyrese Maxey, if it's Thibault, if it's both, um, you know, you you do what it takes to get Damian Lillard because if you get Damian Lillard with Joel Embiid. You're going to maximize Joel's window. You're going to keep him happy. But I think it also makes you a prohibitive favorite um, in, in the NBA to win the entire thing. Like I, I think they would be able to play with anybody if yeah, you know, and, and put up a good series and and and, and battle to the very end uh, without much question. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, just following up off of that, I, I think you know Sixers fans get so caught up in depth and you know the the meaningful depth um, behind each player, but. The simple fact is, you know, with depth, you're you're kind of counting on injuries happening. And if any of our stars get injured, we're not winning the championship regardless. You know what I mean? If Embiid's out, we're not winning the championship. If we get Damian Lillard and he goes out, we're not winning the championship. So you can't really think in terms of that. It, the league is about star power, um, and it's about elite talent. So um, definitely get that aspect of it. And then, of course, just Dame firsthand watching Jokic dismantle the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. It has to, you know, reset his thinking. Like when he's in that press conference saying, you know, I, I just don't see a championship contender when I look at this roster. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you just watch Jokic destroy your your team at the big spot. And they had no answer. They thought Nurkic being healthy would be, you know, an answer at the big spot. And it wasn't. And uh, you, you can't run it back with that team. So it's like, what's your option outside of moving Dame? You can get a lot for Dame, or you can move CJ McCollum for you know what for minimal. You know what I mean. So I think they just need a fresh start there, and I think that starts with getting Dame out and getting him a fresh start as well. So I'm with you there. Um, we'll kind of you know go towards a a, a more uh, I, what would you call it a softer topic. Um, <laughs> ben Simmons in Philadelphia, right? So I really. Off the start of this, I just want to get your feel of his performance um, in the playoffs. Um, how much? How much do you hold him accountable for the Sixers losing? Because I think that will give you know listeners a better perspective of where you stand with this versus what you're hearing or your feel on it. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I wouldn't expect him to change hands, number one. Like, I think that's a a, a nice concept, but I just you're not going to be able to do it in, in, in this type of an offseason. And even if you did, like, it would be years before it ever actually, like, is, is something he can rely on. Because right. you, you just have to work, you know, that's changing hands for a guy that doesn't shoot to begin with is not going to be an easy <laughs> task. Um, you know, and so I, I think that's – uh, a, a nice hope, but I, I, that's not going to happen. I don't think. I, I think he's going to work with 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 some trainers on mechanical adjustments uh, and form stuff. I don't think the issue is form, though. I've never thought the issue is form. It's I think it's all between the ears. Yeah, and I, I, that's going to be something that if they keep him or if they don't keep him, that's the biggest factor, the biggest X factor in all of this, and it's the biggest reason that. I think it's hard to trust them going forward for the organization. And you cannot, of all things, you cannot go into another playoff uh, as a one or two seed if they get back to there and then have this happen again because, yeah. you, you, like, like <laughs> it's two years in a row. <laughs> you, yeah, literally. No, yeah. I'll, I'll go insane. I know I will. Yeah, like, like, like that's two blown opportunities when you saw what happened last time. And like, like, like this, this is this was as scarring for the fan base of of a loss as I think I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I thought the series was over in Game Five. Like, like once they lost Game Five, it, there there was nothing left for them to do. Um, yeah. You know, even if they won Game Seven, they were going to get absolutely pulverized by the Bucks. And I and I and I and I, and I felt that to a core because they they were they had shaken themselves and they had lost you know they they, they lost trust in themselves. Um, and so I think it's, you know, best for a restart with Ben. Um, but in, in, in just in terms of, you know, w- what I saw in the playoffs, like, I, you know, I have to be objective, I have to be fair, to be honest. And, uh, he was awful. I mean, he was just, he, he was, there's no way of, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, he had a really nice 13 assist performance in game seven. He had a really good defensive game. Um, I think his play was so impossibly bad that it's almost, I think, impossible for anyone else to evaluate that series um, and other factors because, like, yes, Doc was terrible in the series, sure. Name me a coach in the NBA that could have won that series with a point guard that was as lost as Ben was. Like, yeah. I, I think I think there's so many different factors that you just eliminate um, when because there's so many contingencies and domino effects of Ben playing terribly. Yeah. And – you know, uh, like I, so I can't. Like Doc wasn't good, but I can't blame him because. How do you blame the? How, like, like, what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to yeah. take, take a second best player off the court? Like, come on, um, you know. And yeah. I, the free throw thing, I, I get it. But if you win that series, right? If you win that series, he and you take him off the court. What are you gonna do with him next series? Like yeah. he's gonna have he's gonna have zero confidence in himself. Yeah. So. I think it's an impossible situation, and it, it made it really difficult to evaluate the other factors um, because I think everything kind of relied upon Ben playing playing at a different level than what he did. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I see what you're getting at there because basically Doc was operating on a, on a thin line. You know, you have to, one, think about what's best for the team, which it may have been, you know, taking Ben off the floor. Um, something I pointed to between games five and six of that series was – just the difference in the amount of time Ben was on the court compared to Tyrese Maxey. Now, 
obviously you can't drive that point in, you know, you can't drive that into the ground. Uh, Maxie's a rookie. You can't expect a 16 point performance every playoff game, you know, from a rookie there. But just looking at what Maxie was able to do on the offensive end, provide scoring, uh, provide driving down the lane, changed the whole aspect in game six to game five. Maybe the Hawks didn't come out, you know, with energy in game six, whatever the case may be. But you saw Trey Young basically go off in game six. Tyrese Maxey added 16, and it kind of leveled out, and the Sixers were still able to win that game um, versus where I see Ben Simmons playing, you know, 30-plus minutes in game seven. We take that L at home uh, against the Hawks. But, um, yeah, it, it's just that fine line of doing what's best for the team and then not totally just ruining Ben Simmons. And so the rock in the hard place right now is that if we bring Ben Simmons back, he could do all the all the things that we have been asking for at the beginning of the season, get us all sold back into Ben Simmons, and then just totally disappear again right in the playoffs. And that's the risk that you're running. That's the very heart of the issue. It's incredibly unpredictable. And it's a risk that if, if, if it blows back up in your face, you got to come back to ownership and say, well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it happened again, and you were warned about it the first time. It happened to you once. You fell for it again, and now you've been blown a second opportunity. Now it beats another year older. Now um, yeah. the, there, there's another seismic shift. By the way, Damian Lillard got traded to, uh, for lack of a better argument, let's say Milwaukee. Yeah, um, you know, so you you have to seize these moments. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I I didn't I didn't I haven't written this piece yet because I I want to wait for it to play out, but this is a defining moment in Daryl's tenure. Um, th- th- this off season, and if Lill- if Lillard's available, that's a, that's the whole that's the whole number one factor in all of this. Because if Damian Lillard's not available, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. like like they're not trading him. But if he says he wants out and he's available and and he's willing to go to Philly, Daryl Morey has to has to get him. There's yeah. no there's no coming up short here. There's 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 no room. You he already missed Harden, and that you can debate whether that was for personal, you know, vendetta reasons with, with Houston or, or or not. Um I personally think it was. And you can, you know, and, and, but he, he didn't he didn't trade for Lowry. Because, and you know, I think there's a lot of money think stuff there that Lowry wanted more money than, than they could give, and they wanted to have some flexibility. Sure, whatever. Um, you can't strike out again. You, you, right. you, have, you, you have to land the star if he becomes available. Um, and because if you don't, you know, you're you're going to start burning some of the equity that you have with Embiid. And I think Embiid is very loyal. I, I you know, I, I think he's loyal. I don't, I don't know how I would measure him in terms of like qualifying it. Quanti- quantifying it against like how loyal Dan is, but I think he's probably one of the more loyal guys in the league. He'll 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 stay in Philly until Philly trades him. I think, um, and so you know, eventually he's going to ask questions. He's going to say like, yeah. you know, how long are we going to go with Ben? How long are we going to keep going with the same stuff over and over again? How can we trade for for Damian Lillard? By the way, he's a buddy in Miami named Jimmy Butler, who would lo- I'm sure would love to bring him to Miami, um, where there's no income tax in the state of Florida. You know, so at some point, they're going to have to make a a, a move that really changes the game uh, for them because clearly, what they have has has failed. Um, and and Derek Bodner wrote a column about this like right after the playoffs ended that the pro the Sixers didn't the process didn't fail the Sixers, the Sixers failed the process. And he was right because the Sixers have failed Embiid time and time again. 
Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's head on. And um, I, I think you saw that with Embiid in the post press conference. You saw his his reaction to Ben passing out of that dunk in game. He kind of throws his hands up in the air and looks at the crowd. And then after the game, you know, that's his pivotal moment where everything changed. Now maybe that's you know a little bit of him not looking within himself. I, I know some people took that the wrong way, trying to blame Ben, but. In reality, I think he was just calling it how he how he saw it. That series was over when Ben passed out of that dunk, not because of where the score was at, not because of the you know of the play out after the after he makes that pass. It's just the fact that you now realize that Ben Simmons is completely mentally defeated, and yeah. um, you know I, I think that's what Embiid was touching on, and I think that was him kind of hinting towards the organization. You know, we got to get this show on the road because this can't be holding me back. You know, going forward. Yeah. And I think like some people have given Doc like criticism about what he said after the game seven. And, and, and you know, uh, it's it's an incredibly, I think, unfair thing to criticize him for that, because number one, he has to be defensive. It's his second year in a row of, of, of basically blowing the three to one lead. They were up by 18 in, in, in game four. They yeah. were up by 26 in game five. He basically blew another three to one lead. Um, and so um, he has to be defensive at the podium because people are going to ask those questions. And the guy, the kid is 24. He's one day younger than me. And I, and, and he's an adult at some point, Ben Simmons has to be accountable for Ben Simmons. Yeah. And um, you know, so doc says he's, you know, I don't know if he's a, if he's a point guard on a championship team. Uh, fine. That's the, 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 no, I have no issue with that at all whatsoever. He, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fact he's proven that he cannot lead as a point guard yeah. championship team. Um, and so I, I think a positional change, I, I don't know how that's going to help that much. I, I think the, the the shift has to be one of two things. You trade him or he has to look at himself in the mirror and say, I need to own up that I, I haven't developed and I, and my shortcomings have, have cost my team have cost me. And, you know, it's not too late in my career to save this. He's only 25. He can obviously turn things around, I think. Um, but it, it, it comes from within. And, yeah. you know, it's going to take some mental growing. Now, I will say that I think a lot of people have overlooked the fact that he has to deal with this family stuff middle of the season. Um, and I don't think that was easy for him by any stretch. He's human after all. Right. He's very his family and to have that kind of stuff, especially if you don't know about it. Yeah. Um, is is jarring and it's it's something that can set you back and I think it you know probably contributed to some fact in some in some way but listen the time's up I mean it's been yeah. it's been three years it's been three playoff runs that have ended basically the exact same way yeah can, um, I, can I jump in there yeah Sorry. go ahead JD's got a I'm, question for you I'm I'm done taking my nap I've, I've <laughs> been asleep long enough all right guys so. Like I, you know, I may have put up a post on the Twitter a couple of weeks ago, just kind of testing out to see what people thought about this whole Joel Embiid. Like we know that he has a window, and like that's why everybody's moving so fast to get things done because Joel has this window. He's a big man. We don't know how long, you know, with the nagging injuries. Like when's going to be his big one? He's going to have, and it's going to like down the whole process. So. I made a comment about maybe saying, okay, well, what if, you know, we trade and get this huge blockbuster trade and get Dane and then we lose and be, we're in no better shape than we were to begin with. Um, but we, you know, we just traded away the younger of the two, of the two, you know, we would trade away the younger of the, you know, the window of the two, the, the duo. 
So how would we how should we look at that? Because I always look at people always say, you know, get rid of Ben, but nobody ever says, well, Joel could possibly be done if we wouldn't have anything. So when you say like done, you mean like like injured, right? Yeah, like you know, like he's just had like nagging injuries. Yeah. Um <laughs> watch. Oh man. It's a good point. It's a good point. Like I I I think number one. Joel Embiid's like the face of Philadelphia sports, right? I mean, he's like the – I think many people would probably agree that he's probably the best athlete in the city right now. Um, he's certainly been the most lovable since he's been here. And he gets the city. He, he you know, he bleeds for the city. And the city, I think, loves him back. And I think that relationship, even though it's not necessarily related to basketball or business in, in the sense that, you know, he's an NBA player, I still think that – He's kind of the relationship he has with Philadelphia would 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 basically make it impossible for the Sixers to to to, to trade him um, and still have equity within their fan base. I, I think it would be a massive uprising if 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 they traded Embiid and maybe they get to that point like seven you know five something years years from now when they're clearly um, you know when when when, when they're clearly done anyway and then maybe they they say well we'll get him a ring and trade him to this team that needs uh you know another big or whatever and he can make his run that way but i i don't think they're going to trade Embiid. i don't think and you know i, I think if, if ben simmons situation played out differently where he was on a, a linear uh track and progressing as a player and he was really living up to those magic johnson Le- lebron comps then i think maybe you have a conversation there um I certainly thought maybe there was a bit of a conversation to have last off season because obviously the last thing, the last thing memory was Joel, uh, you know, putting up his best games, you know, basically dogging it on defense in the playoffs and putting up an inefficient 30 points a game. And as the Sixers got swept by the Celtics, meanwhile, Ben Simmons was the best player on the team last year. Um, but I think when you see the way Embiid's, I think, you know, played this season, his, his development, as a shooter in the mid range, it went from like, I want to say something in the forties to something in the fifties. It doesn't sound like a lot on paper when you do the math, that's a sizable difference. And that growth as a mid range shooter makes me believe that even if his body breaks down and, and sort of deteriorates, he can still maintain all-star level play by having that jump shot because he no longer has to rely on brute force just to be great. Um, like I think when I think like when Giannis starts to lose his athleticism, you're gonna see like a dramatic decline in his game because if he if he doesn't have those legs to rely on, what exactly is he? Yeah. Um, whereas Embiid has touch, he has a little bit of finesse to him. He can play in a, in a couple of different ways. He doesn't have to just go bang and blow the rim. So I, I think when it all comes down to it, it would be Ben and not Embiid. I also think that if you if if Embiid goes if Embiid goes down, we've seen that Simmons can kind of like strap them to a 500 record uh, and keep them afloat. I think if you have Damian Lillard, you can gain ground instead of instead of losing ground. He's the type of guy. He he's such an he's such a, he's, such, he's such a great offensive player by himself that if Embiid goes down for two weeks or for a month or whatever, he can just shoot you into like oh we're we're we were up. Three games. And now we're back. Now we're up five games, and Embiid's back. 
like he that's how powerful he is and yeah. so i think he kind of gives you an insurance policy if you will yeah so i guess yeah that that was like my whole argument to jd because it, it is a good point i mean you you always worry with big men um injuries you know how that's going to affect them over their career over their prime how long their prime actually will be um but my i guess my stance is that do I see a championship contender without Joel Embiid? No. no period. No. And um, when you look at these two guys side by side, you know, the, ever since they got here, everybody was wanting to com- compare them, you know, see, wonder if they fit together. If you put them side by side, what has Joel Embiid shown you that Ben Simmons hasn't? It's that exactly what you said. Joel Embiid loves the city. He embraces the fans. He embraces – our passion, because I mean, Philadelphia fans are irrational. Let's be honest. Um, ben Simmons is the opposite. He, he's taken that and it's almost crippled him. Whereas Joel Embiid has taken the criticism. He's gotten himself into better shape. He's made himself more consistent. So it's like you see these improvements. You see him talking about it, and then you see him putting it to action, and you don't see it with Ben. And that's kind of where my crossroads in. Is like, you know, if Ben's not showing those same things, he's not as good as Embiid, then there's no way I can buy into that. And if I have no one else to buy into, I'm buying into the MVP runner up there. So I guess that's that's my stance on on Joel Embiid and that whole conversation. But I, I definitely think JD has a point um with, with the injury history. I just would hate that. Like it would just it would piss me off so bad. Like we would go out, like we've been we've been beating Mari up a little bit, like for the last year. You know, we missed on, you know, getting Harden, but, you know, that was personal. They're not going to – they got giving him Harden. We know that – I actually – I actually tell you the truth. I think Joel probably would have sided against them trading for Harden. I, that's wow. Just, that's just my belief. Number one, I think he was super protective about his kid uh, because, you know, brand-new father for the first time. He was super, super, super sensitive about COVID and Harden, Harden's out running around with, like, uh, clubs. I also think that he and Ben got super, super close off the court, and I think he wanted to give it another chance. So I think he probably would have sided against it. I don't know for a fact, but it's just my my line of thought. Um, but I think, obviously, with, with the comments that have been made, um, I, I think there's no going back. I mean, um, I'm, we might get into this later, but I'll say it now. Like, I don't think it's salvageable with, with that, like, that relationship anymore because – I think Ben's a sensitive guy as is, and now his running mate is basically said on record, like, we need changes. The, the series changed when Ben didn't dunk the ball. So that's that's sending a message right there. And I think on top of that, if, you know, it, 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 you don't often see a team, like, trade their point guard midseason, their starting point guard midseason, and have it result in a title. Um so I think if they're going to trade Ben, it's going to be in the summer or it's going to be next summer. But I think if they let it linger to the deadline, it's going to, you know, they'll keep them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I just, I, I think it's got to be Dame. Yeah. And so then my, my follow-up to that would just be, so you say it's got to be Dame. If Levine, if Beal becomes available, you're waiting on Dane, period. Well, I think it gives you a little bit more optionality. I think it gives you um, a little bit of leverage in trade talks. I think if, if one of those two becomes available, and I don't think the Wizards really want to – I'm like very confident the Wizards do not want to give Bradley Beal. I'm pretty confident he does not want to leave there. 
Yeah. I, I think them making the playoffs sort of re re reinstill a little bit of confidence that he has in their in their organization. Um, and you know, uh, I think if Levine comes available, I think he even said recently he wants to stay. But if but the, Chicago might say like, hey, what have we won with him? Um, we have you know he it, we, he, he we, we've had him on this deal. Sure, it's been like a pretty real, like he's outperformed the deal. Um, and you know we're coming up on contract extensions, but really, what have we won with him? Yeah. Uh, and maybe they decide, well, maybe it's time to go a different direction. And then maybe he becomes available, and then maybe that's a trade. But I think when you look at Dame versus CJ or Dame versus Levine versus Bradley Beal, all three are very good players. All three are also level players that they would fit. They fit really well in the Sixers. Damian Lillard's a size up on both of those, and I think it's a pretty significant size up. So yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piggyback off that. So I don't want Bill. Like I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't want him. I've tweeted it multiple times. I just don't. And I think it's a little bit what I seen this summer, and a little bit what I saw during the. He's taking what was it forty? He took forty shots in a couple, like a good bit of games, and he only ended up with forty something points. So it's like that's a lot of shots. Like I mean, I ain't played in a minute. Scotty ain't played in a minute. But if I took forty shots, like I'm. I should have about 60, like at least <laughs> I should have 60. So it's just like in my mind, like, is there enough balls to go around in Philly? Cause we still got, we still got Steph. We still got Joel's got to get his shots up. If we still got Toby, he's got to get his shots. So I don't know. I just don't see it happening with Bill. I just don't. Maybe it looks being. Yeah. You know, and I think that's like a super, super, super great point about Ben's season, not being very good. Like he wasn't his normal self this season. I think part of it was role, but I also think in order for Tobias to have a comeback season the way he did, where he was basically an all-star snub, in order for Joel to become an MVP uh, runner-up level player, there have to be less shots distributed amongst the t- players in the team. Um, and so Ben Simmons, I think, is 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 happy to take a back seat in that regard, and that's why he was not the same level of scorer he was in the past. Um, cause he was, he was, you know, trying to make a uh, concerted effort, concerted effort to, 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 to feed his beasts. They love doc loves the phrase, you know, feed the pig, which basically means don't get away from what's working. You know, keep, if, if, so if Tobias is feeling it in the first quarter, go back to him. If Joel's feeling it, go back to Joel. Um, so I think Ben actively decided, Hey, I have an MVP candidate here. I have a guy who should be an all-star, um, let's keep going at, at these guys. And why should I take more shots? And part of it is he doesn't want to look bad because he's afraid of looking bad. Other part of it is that's just the way he plays. So. Yeah, no. And I, and I get that. So I guess this, just the last question regarding the Sixers, we spent more than, more yeah. than the expected amount well, of time for sure. Um, it always goes that way for sure. Uh, on Scotty talks. Um, any low key, uh, free agents, draft prospects that you're looking at specifically uh, to match what the Sixers need? Um, I mean, I, I think there are some guys um, out there that, that, that you know, would make sense from the draft. The thing is, like, I, I refuse to get attached to the draft because I just think Daryl's going to – I think Daryl's going to trade the pick. Like, I really yeah. do. Um, that's what he does. He doesn't love to trade. He doesn't love to use first-rounders. And also, I think Doc has really – 
de-incentivized him from using picks because Doc does not play rookies that much. Yeah, that's so, fair. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a factor there. In terms of free agents, um, I, I wouldn't sh- shock me if maybe they go back to Nerlens Noel. Um, I, I don't think Dwight comes back um, just because I, I think while they like him, the, the fit is, 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 is suspect at best. And I just don't think he's a great playoff player anymore. Yeah. Um, I also think that like the, the, the Danny Green stuff, I think is so mixed. And I, I know the fans don't like Danny right now because of what he said, even though like, I think he kind of made some good points in, in a little bit here and there. Like I didn't agree with everything he said, but I thought the, the points he made kind of cast an interesting, um, you know, uh, line of vision, I'd say on, um, you know, on the way people view this Philadelphia around the league. Like, because if, if, if Danny Green says, you know, Philly fans are, are this and, you know, it's talked about. Yeah. Then I'm sure stars in the past have actively decided against coming to Philly if they had the opportunity to. Yeah. Because they feel like getting, you know, booed. And I, you know, I think that's a, val- a valid thing that maybe deserves some, some, some reflection. But I, I think Danny probably makes sense to come back. I'm curious to see what he gets in the open market. Um, I, I don't think for Khan's coming back. I, I, I think they, they have better uses and better needs to fill than giving him an MLE. And a couple of people that are in front offices in the NBA I talked to said that they think he'll get at least, um, you know, the mid-level exceptions. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think the first thing is going to be figuring out what they do with Ben before they move any further. Before they do anything, because yeah. then you got to know what you're looking for after you would yeah. move in. I don't think they're going to Kyle Lowry either, because I just think that the, the it, 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 if you, if the in terms of how the cap rules and, and how the cap works and, you know, all those different rules behind it, the sign-and-trade idea for Kyle Lowry – Make restricts them more than just trading for him would have in the in the middle of last season the trade deadline, so I think that ship probably has sailed already. Um, but we'll see. Got it, got it. And uh, even just uh, kind of piggybacking off the Danny Green comments, you even saw Dwight Howard, who was you know a little more indirect with his criticism of the fans, but he definitely had a few choice words for the fans uh, throughout that saga with Ben uh, at the end of the season as well. Um, so just some to finish up here, Austin, um, definitely want to get your takes on the NBA finals. Um, obviously, I know you uh, you get into the whole NBA, the whole league. You follow it all. Um, you had a couple tweets, you know, regarding uh, the Suns. I know you had the Suns in six originally. Um, Devin Booker has been phenomenal. I've seen a couple tweets about him. My third favorite player in the whole NBA. I love Devin Booker. I, I, I love oh, my God. He's, he's exactly what the Sixers could dream of. I've loved him since the 70 point night, which I guess is bandwagoning in a sense, but it is what it is. I was, yeah, it sounds stupid saying it now, <laughs> but like, I like, I, I love shooters. Like, I've, I've always loved shooters. Like, Steph's favorite player ever. In art. Um, um, yeah. And it's like Steph, it's Dame. And now I guess I'll have to delete that once he gets traded to Sixers because then I, I compromise my objectivity there. But um, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like Devin Booker, it's Dame, and Steph are like my top three. So I love Book. Um, but that series, um, it's definitely been different than what I expected it to be. Um, I didn't think Milwaukee was as good, and I'm happy to eat my words because it's been a great series for them. Yeah. I think the one thing that we're seeing more than anything, which really speaks to Giannis's character. 
is he's not a, he's not above doing the dirty work. I mean, so much of what he's been willing to do is play off ball, set nasty screens, yeah. dive hard to the rim, um, play in the open court and just dunk all over everybody. He's played a different brand of basketball than he's used to playing, and he's really bought into doing what it takes to win. With and He's understood his shortcomings. We've seen a lot less isolation, a lot less dribble pull-ups. I hate yeah. huge jumpers. I think he should get fined every time he does it. Um, <laughs> but number one, like – Chris has been out of his mind, Chris Milton, and that's allowed them to sort of trust him with the ball and play Giannis off the ball more. I also think that like the thing that hurt the Suns a lot, Dario going down, I think has really hurt them. Even though Dario isn't a featured player, um, that's still a guy up in the rotation that you had yeah. to that, like figure out what you're going to do behind him. Uh, they've tried to go small. They've tried Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky got blown off the court, I think, in, in one of the games early in the series. And that was it for that. Um, so not having that size has killed them. They've lost the rebounding battle, I think, every game since then. Yeah. Um, and it's, re- you know, it's really cost them. But Chris Ball has not been good enough. I think every- I think we all know that. Booker's been out of his mind. And I think the Bucks have put themselves in a position where they win tonight, and I think it's going to be over. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I guess that, that was going to be my follow-up question. Where are you at with the series? But – um, just kind of watching how the last three games have played out, right? We've seen like kind of everything from D book that we could imagine. So you had what game three where he kind of laid an egg there. They they kind of sent it, they packed it in early, you know, had him out of the whole fourth quarter. But then you have back to back 40 point games that result in losses as well. So I just feel like that is like completely demoralizing for the for the Suns almost when you waste those performances. You know, everybody talked about Giannis's back-to-back 40 game, 40 point games. He at least won one of them, and that kind of saves the the momentum. It saves you know the energy because if you see these guys, these star, you know, the number ones on these teams, they go out, they exert all this energy, they they fill the box, the box. Sure. It's demoralizing to watch your team lose after that. So just looking at Devin Booker specifically last game where he was so efficient. On top of it, it the, the Suns as a whole were efficient. They shot like 69% from three. Um, so it, it was just very, you know, the Bucks have beat them in all different ways. And I feel like that's kind of how everybody felt about the Suns and what they would do to the Bucks in reverse. Um, so it, it has been an interesting series. Um, so we know that you think the Bucks are going to take it home tonight. Who's your finals MVP? Who's your most impressive players? And, and maybe that's not the same thing in this series because, you know, Maybe your finals MVP is Giannis, but Chris Middleton is the most impressive player since he's, you know, kind of stepped out of that that backseat role. Yeah. Um, what's your take on that? Well, if 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 the Suns were 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 winning the series, I would probably have a different answer to most impressive, because then it would probably be DeAndre Ayton. I think he's been unbelievable. And I think the way he's come together these playoffs after like he's always been an iffy defensive player and it just clicked out of nowhere for him in the in the middle of the playoffs of all times and he's been unbelievable um but most impressive i think has been Giannis because for the reasons I, I said originally i think the mvp oh this is tough <laughs> i probably give it to him give it to him I'd probably go towards Drew Holiday more than I would go to Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah? No. Okay. I, I, hey, I, I'm not going to lie to you. No. I picked Bucks in seven to begin the series, and I picked Drew Holiday as my uh, my finals MVP just because I figured, you know, Giannis will do his thing. Middleton will, you know, show up for 
probably three, four games out of the series. And Drew Holiday would just be that consistent defensive presence spreading the ball yeah. around. He's been clutch as well. He's hit some big shots in this series as well. His his three-point shooting, I think, is really uh, – off, well, off the dribble three-point shooting, that is, has been yeah. like, like a massive, massive, massive thing in the series. And I also just think, like, if, if, when you, if they win this series, you're going to look back at one game. It's going to be game five where yeah. he has the steals. He rips book at the last second, and then they throw the uh, – and they throw the oop to, to Giannis to seal it. Like, yeah. Th- that that game, I think, is the most demoralizing game of the for the Suns because you actually saw them improve upon the things that, that hurt them in game in game four or yeah game four like with the turnovers and the rebounds they got they improved they fixed those issues and they still lost on their home court um, despite a forty foot despite a forty point night from from Booker and I think that was like the ripping the hard outs moment um, and I think Drew is the one you attribute that to. And so for that reason, I think he'd be my MVP, even though I think Middleton has been sensational. Yeah. South Carolina dog. <laughs> right. That's so right. my my final question to you, Austin, and I will get you out of here, man. We definitely had you for 50 no minutes. We no worries. Uh, but I do appreciate you joining us once yeah. again, my man. Anytime. Um, final question. If the Suns – is there any way the Suns winning tonight could maybe change your perspective – what, what could the Suns do to win tonight if they can? And uh, how would they need to win to kind of solidify your stance as far as going into game seven? Uh, well, I think one thing they should probably do a little more is go zone. Um, it, it, the three-point shooting, I think, for the Bucks has been a little bit over their heads a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think if you're looking to bet on something, if you're the Suns and like, okay – Obviously, we've made all the adjustments we can make, but what is like the one thing we can bet on, um, you know, to, to 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 try to get ourselves back in the series? It's going to be three point shooting. I don't think sustainable. I don't think Milwaukee has those types of shooters. Um, so that's one thing they can do. I just think you need like the the the, the Suns don't trust each other at the moment, and I think the 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 the, this, the emblem of that was Booker over dribbling on that last possession and turning it over on the holiday seal. Like he doesn't trust Chris Paul right now. He doesn't trust his teammates right now. They have to trust each other. So I think getting back to a more, you know, they're, they're sharing the ball. They're, they're, they're attacking closeouts um, and playing zone. Just to keep the bucks out of the paint where they've just killed them all series is how they can do it. And I think if they win tonight, I think the buck, I think that the Suns win in seven. Very fair. Once again, Austin, Thank you for the great insight, my man. Um, it was it was wonderful having you on the show, having you join here. Um, definitely hope to get you back soon. Um, you know, maybe maybe once the off season really gets kicked off, or as we get closer to next season, we can get you back on. But um, thank you once again, everybody. Follow my man Austin at NBA Krell on Twitter. He's going to bring you the latest news, not only in Philadelphia but in the entire NBA. Um, he covers it all. So thank you once again, Austin. Thanks for having me, guys. Have fun. Have a good night, man. All right, JD. What did you think, my man? Was there anything that that stuck out to you in the interview that he said? Or I know you had your question in there. He kind of yes. gave the answer, man. He gave you the answer, and I, I know how you feel. Listen, I I love it. Like to be completely honest, man. I am. I'm at a point now where I'm not mad about. It. I want to hear people's different takes about it because it is yeah. something that is it's controversial, 
it is like something where you could look at it and you get there's four or five different answers that it could possibly be yeah. every single time you think about it. I know a lot of Philly fans don't like to think about the question. I understand and I appreciate them answering it. Um, and I know everybody was probably like, you're not talking, but like when you got somebody that that plugged in, like you kind of listen, like it's not really time for us. This is our time now. Yeah. You know, for us to kind of like chop it up. Uh, and not that you know, be, put too much on it. We have 53 minutes and we still kind of about, about 20 minutes worth left of like content, yeah, to kind of get through. So, if you want, can I do my, my transition real quick? Yeah, of course. Let's go. Galleries, distinct pictures, painted with a slight stroke, but remain vicious. I know I ain't supposed to boast, but I ain't missing. Every song is heat rock, <laughs> and we're back. Love <laughs> it, love it, man. And we are we're ready to get into the NBA final segment of the show. Um, as JD pointed to there with that transition. Um, and, and I do want to shout you out, JD. I, I mean, you've been my producer this show. It's the first time we really went with the totally producer role, and it's been really fun. Um, honestly, you've taken a lot of stress off my shoulders <laughs> with the comments, everything, so I'm, I'm loving it. And uh, just to follow up on what you said about the Embiid question, that's why I love working with you because you're open perspectives. I, that's what I try to you know bring on the show just open conversations. Nobody has to be necessarily right or wrong. This, right. None of us are right because we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always, it's important to, you know, be egoless and be open here. And, and that's why I had to bring you in as my co-host, not let alone the graphics, the, the editing, the producing. <laughs> so big shout out to my man, JD, I had to plug him in right there, but uh, let's get into the NBA finals. Cause you know, yeah. I got to throw you a little bit with this Chris Paul, the the Phoenix Suns. I know. I know you're still confident, right? I am. I am. Suns in seven. Listen, I, I'm gonna be a complete honest because at first I was all about Suns, 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 and I'm still on my Suns train. I'm not off. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. Um, they have hit some adversity, so tonight will be like everybody says. If you hear it, like basketball people talk, they always say the series doesn't start if somebody wins a away game. Yeah. Right? So the first away game was one last game, and we watched Milwaukee go into Phoenix and take one. Now, this is a big moment. Like he said, it, it can all go downhill tonight. They could just decide they're not going to fight. But but through what they've been tweeting and the, th- the way they've been trolling, uh, they've been trolling Milwaukee, I think, I think we're in for a fight. I really do. I, I think so. that we're – I think we're going to probably see the best game of the series um, because Milwaukee wants it really bad, and it would do – it would – I think that uh, Phoenix would love, love to come take their heart like they just did them. Yeah, yeah. And this sure. would be great. It would be great. I, I, it's great for TV. I'm okay yeah. with whatever happened. Middleton, yeah, Middleton that's, MVP. That's where, <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at because, you know, regardless, I, I, I could give two shits if my predictions play out the waiters. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I'm not winning no money if the Bucks win win the series. I don't care. Like, I just wanted it to be a great series, and it has been. We've seen, like, some legendary performances, like, from even Mikel Bridges, 27 points. I think that was in game two. That's a, a legendary historic performance for, for a role player on a championship team. Yep. You've seen the 40-point nights from Booker back-to-back right after the 40-point nights from Giannis back-to-back. You've seen Middleton step up with a 40-point night. So it, it has. It's been a hell of a series. What I want to ask you, J.D., is if the Suns – let's say if the Suns lose this series, if they lose tonight, if they lose in Game 7, whatever the case may be, has this series told you more about the Phoenix Suns if they do lose? 
or more about the Milwaukee Bucks if they win? That's a loaded question, man, because it is. <laughs> all, all year we've kind of decided to write Milwaukee off. Oh, it's just Milwaukee. It's just Milwaukee. Like, yeah. This is a one-off. They've been the only team between them and Phoenix have been the two teams that have capitalized on all the stars being hurt because this may not happen again. Yeah. It may never be another time where KD will be hurt. LeBron will be playing without somebody. AD will be hurt. Uh, Harden and Kyrie will be hurt. Like next year, this league is going to look considerably different, especially yeah. with all the moves, different people going places. Dane could be on the East Coast. Like the whole league could be shaken up. The Denver gets Murray back next year, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of these teams that you know weren't really in the conversation, and on top of that, the Warriors will finally be back. The Warriors will be back and locked and loaded, and they have draft yeah. picks coming. That makes things interesting. Exactly. So, man, to be honest, I think it says a lot more about the Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns have taken an aging kind of, you know, maybe end of the path. Chris Paul, who's at the end of his career, maybe not deciding if he's going to stay in Phoenix. And you just really welcome Booker into his first playoff run where he's now in the finals with the playoff run. Yeah. Giannis didn't get to the finals until now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think it says more about the Phoenix Suns and what their future looks like with Aiden and Booker. And I think I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I think the Suns, you know, they didn't surprise you necessarily, but they, they surprised a lot of people. And uh, they definitely had the feel-good story going on down the stretch. My thing, I, I guess, yeah, I, I was with the first part of your question uh, answer there just as far as Milwaukee I, I just look at like I don't know if you call it adversity or if you just call it like doubt you know what I mean they have built like so much doubt to the point where Giannis was putting up MVP numbers this year it's not like that stopped you know after his two back-to-back -back MVPs but he wasn't even considered right like right. with his same numbers if not better than his previous MVP seasons he wasn't even considered for MVP so it just kind of showed you where the league was with Giannis, with the Bucks. You know, like you said, it's it's like okay, it doesn't matter if the Bucks get the one seed, the three seed. They're you know the team that falters out in the playoffs, right? Like it's all about the Brooklyn Nets, and it, people were saying the same thing about the Sixers as well. And it ultimately falls on Ben Simmons and then Giannis. Whereas I think you've seen Giannis take that next step and not be afraid of the moment. He's shooting free throws. He's not afraid to go to the free throw line. He's not afraid to shoot a three and miss it. He's not afraid to airball. He just right. turns the shoulder and goes to the next play. But um, just looking at these guys, you know, Chris Middleton had been given the card where he just disappears in the playoffs too. He's he's not consistent. He's not, you know, he's a disappearing act. Um, Drew Holiday was talked about as, you know, this inconsistent point guard that can't score. He's a defensive mind. He's a good playmaker, but he doesn't have a consistent enough jump shot. And you're just kind of seeing all of this play out together, right? And um, I don't know. It, it is. It's a tough, tough question. And, like, the Phoenix Suns, you could say the same exact thing because you do. You have the Suns who just added Chris Paul, who's been ridiculed his entire career on not making it to the big dance. First yeah. year with the Suns makes it to the big dance. Like, if he wins this championship, it changes the whole narrative of his entire career. Not, not to, you know – obviously people that know basketball, but to the outside eyes, the novice eyes, people are going to look at Chris Paul differently if he wins this championship versus if he doesn't. Well, and, this, um, 
I don't know, Scott, because like when you think about it, like that year that he was with Houston and he goes down with the ankle, that changed that whole series. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, and I agree. I think they had that series in the bag. Yeah, well. like if you if because Chris Paul was he was playing that well. Like I mean, I know people talk about Harden, but in that particular series, Chris Paul was everything. And him yeah. giving going down that changed the trajectory yeah. of that playoff, which you know they we know later on they go on and lose to LeBron. Yeah. But you know, like it's just if like you said the 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 person who really watches ball, they're gonna remember that moment. Right. And that right. moment they were on Golden State was on the ropes. They could have went down had Chris Paul been playing because he had they had they didn't have an answer for him. And you can even go back to you know the Clippers days with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. It's like, who are we blaming for those Clippers failures, Doc Rivers or Chris Paul, right? Like, because it seems like they both get the blame, but both can't have the blame. You know what I mean? I, like, I guess you can send the accountability all around the room, but right. it's like, who do you really blame for those Clippers failures after you've watched Doc still not be able to do anything since Chris Paul left? And then go to Philly and you see a similar situation happen in Philly that you saw in the Clippers. So it's like, you look back on this guy's career, Chris Paul, and we're going to talk about it tonight, right, with Scott Foster, referee in the game. Yeah. Um, and I'll let you I'll let you put up the tweet. Yeah, yeah. So everybody can see these numbers. I mean, this is just weird. You know, 2-15 yeah. and 15 and 17 playoff games has officiated the worst loss of Chris Paul's uh, playoff career in the modern era, a 58-point loss to the Denver Nuggets. I don't remember that game. That's That's freaking wild. But the main thing I'm thinking about with when I see him in that Hornets jersey is the fact that they vetoed his trade to L.A. where he would have got to play with Kobe and, like, Dwight Howard or some shit. Had a super team in L.A. with the Lakers, and he most likely was going to win a championship there. And the league just vetoed it. So I'm like, you know, why is Scott Foster referee in this game? Now, obviously, you can't, you know, move Scott Foster off the game just because Chris Paul – but in an elimination game with this type of record, it Do just has leave it? asking questions, right? I don't. Okay, so I'm gonna throw this out there. So what we need to really realize about this graphic right here is that Chauncey Billups is the point guard for Denver. So we know that this is the end of an era. So yeah. we know that it's in the era, and Chris Paul still has visible hair. So we also <laughs> need to throw that out there. Um, to another point, to your point about you know him being a person of of interest in this thing because he's a referee. I don't know if it makes that much of a big deal because he's won two games with it. It's not like he's zero and yeah, like you know, eleven in every single game. Yeah, he's won some, and we also got to look at the teams that he's refereed when he's played in those teams. Like think about if Chris Paul, you know, he's been kind of injury prone in his career, so if he'd been out, he still lost those games while he refereed. So right in my in my honest opinion, I don't think tonight that matters, and I think if anything, because this is being posted, we're not the only people that are seeing it. I'm sure yeah. Chris Paul has seen it, and I'm sure he's seen it. So I'm yeah. sure at some point they have that conversation before the game. Hey, don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think at some point, I think that, that this game doesn't come down to officiating. I think that because yeah. even That's what right. we've even what we've seen all year, like even as like like these USA teams are going to the play in FIBA play, the refereeing is being called super lax. Like you put somebody down, it is what it is. No blood, no foul. Yeah. And, and I think in the playoffs, as they get better and better, a lot of these Nicky Nack tic tac fouls will go away. And I hopefully they let them play tonight because there's going to be a lot of emotions on both sides. 
And I want it just to be a good, clean game. I want both sides to be a free to play. Yeah. And I, and I think that's my biggest point too, is like, I, I just want a, a great NBA finals. I don't want any like controversial, you know, like missed calls or, you know, calls favoring any team, any which way. Just want to see two the two best teams in the NBA battle it out tonight. And I, I really just don't want that to be disturbed. Um, so my next question to you is, and it's the same thing I asked Austin. How do the Suns win tonight in Milwaukee? Mm. Um, coming off, you know, those back-to-back 40-point Booker games, what does it take? Whew. Man, you put me on the spot, man. I, <laughs> all right. So I reckon I'm going to go on to my Southern draw. I reckon you got to do something like you got to eliminate Giannis. You have to do something to make his life hell. Even if you got to put Aiden on him and tell Aiden to run after him, when I play ball, my coach used to tell me when they wanted me to D somebody up, if I send them to the bathroom, I need you to be shaking it for me. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I need somebody to get on Giannis and stick to him like glue. Middleton has already proved he probably can't win the game alone. So, if you yeah. can somehow minimize, you know, if you can minimize him from scoring, you know, Giannis, especially for him 40, but if yeah. you can, you know, you limit him to about 18 to 20, maybe 25 at the most. You let you know you can let Middleton get his thirty, maybe a forty piece, and you cannot. I repeat, you cannot let Holiday <laughs> go off. Like you just can't. Like and when I look, because I didn't catch the game at the beginning. I remember texting Bro, guys was, in the second quarter. He was going off. Like even in the first quarter, I think he started out hot, but in the second quarter, he's the one that brought Milwaukee back because right. they were down sixteen after the first quarter, and he, and they they came all the way back. And I remember grabbing my phone. I remember I was texting you guys in the, the grouper, and I was like, yo, like my, my cable just went out, and I, I'm trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out what's going on because it's a bad storm. Turn the TV off, get the TV back on. This dude's got like 18 points. I was like, how did he score? Did they just lay, they lay the ball up? Like, what happened? Bro, he was he was honestly, like like Austin said, he was he was hitting shots off the dribble, which is very rare, I feel yeah. like, to see from Drew Holiday. He's, he's a decent spot-up shooter, but he was hitting like threes off the dribble. Um, step back threes, step back jump shots, finishing in the lane. Um, but you look at game game five. I mean, you mentioned Giannis, thirty two points, shot over fifty percent from the field. Drew Holiday, twenty seven points, shot over fifty percent from the field. Chris Middleton, twenty nine points, once again shot over fifty percent from the field. That can't happen. That's and nutty, Phoenix. That's nutty. Think about that. That's nutty to think that. Four players combined for over almost 90 points. Yeah, basically. You can't have that. You can't. I don't care what team you play for because you got to believe that somebody else is going to come in the game and score some baskets. Even if Brook Lopez hits a couple of shots, Portis comes in. Listen, they have, in order for Phoenix to win tonight, they need Booker to continue and Chris Paul has to show up. The point yeah. guard has to come Yeah. or we're taking the name. He's going to be playoff P or pandemic <laughs> P or pass his prime P or – Pretty, pretty poor P. Whatever P you want to use, he's gonna be in that same conversation. The two Pauls are gonna be there together. Chris Paul State and Farm. Paul George. State Farm P. Hey, uh, Uncle, uh, was it Uncle, uh, Uncle Cliff? Uncle Cliff P. Uncle Cliff P. Y'all need insurance on them knees if he don't come to play tonight. Cliff P. He's gonna need it over the cliff, over the hill, over he's, the cliff. There over the cliff. We there need something major tonight, guys. I am not saying – I'm speaking to you. Anybody that's in Phoenix that is watching YouTube, 
if you know, I've been pulling for you guys. I've been saying you guys are the ones. Booker, you have done your thing, young man. I can't take yeah. nothing from you. Um, he's played. He only had one down game, and that game, I think he still had, what, 17 or something? Something like that, yeah. Think about that. A, per- a, a, a young player who was just in their first playoff, we are worried about a 17-point game. Yet we were arguing about Ben Simmons having four. He's been in the league multiple years. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the slander. I hear that though. <laughs> I'm done with the slander. Nah, but um, yeah, that and you know, now that you say that about CP3, it's kind of what I was gonna go to next. Is like that's the only thing that's missing from this series, and it's exactly what is needed in order to, you know, basically longate the series into a game uh, a seven-game series. So You've had the Booker signature games. You've had the Giannis signature games. You've had the Drew Holiday signature game last game, Middleton in game four. You've had these guys' signature games. Even Mikel Bridges got a signature game. Yeah. It's time for Chris Paul's signature game in game six. And then once you get to game seven, it's it's all war. Everything's on the table. It doesn't matter how you win, how you lose. Right. You just got to win, period. So once you get past game six, it ain't about signature games anymore. It's about just getting that last dub of the season. And, um, you know, I I just think game six on the road, you need your veteran point guard, the point god. You need him. You need him to step up, have a huge game tonight. And I think Chris Paul is made for it as long as he is healthy. That has been my biggest concern this series is that there's, there's times where he looks out of it. Yes. It's not that, you know, he's out of it mentally or anything like that, because I don't believe that Chris Paul, the leader in him, is like that. He's out of it because there's something off there. I don't know if he's like sick. I don't know if it's like a a nagging injury that's kind of lingering. I don't don't know what it is, but I hope to see it cleared up tonight. And I hope to see a big game from Chris Paul. Longgate this series, make it a seven game series because we deserve to see seven games of this. If we don't, then I'll be bad. Like I told you, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not going to keep doing this with people. Like, I make these predictions. Normally they work, but when they don't work, I'm always – like, think about it. Like, in this one year, I listen, sports gods, look <laughs> out for me. Clemson lost last year in the playoffs to Ohio State. The freaking Pittsburgh Steelers, they shit the bed as usual, 11-0, and 0, and then they decided they forgot how to play football. And then my Sixers are out early in the, in the thing. Ben Simmons forgot how to play basketball. This is the year, bro. The Sixers missed out, man. This is the year of people doing too much talking. Everybody that I've been down for has talked before they, you know, they put the cart before the horse. So this time I need Chris Paul. This is your time, brother. Back it up. You mess this up, we send you back to OKC (laughs) where people go to die. Like, you know what I'm saying? Straight up. My career is going to die. My my last question, last question of the day. I'll let you get out of here. We'll we'll go check out the game. I know it starts at 9, I believe. Um, So we'll get a little bit of time in between there. But um, who's your finals MVP? Now, obviously, let's go with – let's just say the series – if the series ends tonight, who's your finals MVP? I'm going to go with that young fella out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Chris Middleton. Uh, y'all know I'm Chris. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a South Carolina guy. So Chris Middleton's done his thing, and that's been not, the big thing this series with Chris Middleton. But do you not give it to Giannis though? Because Giannis, I know. I mean, you got Austin said Drew Holiday. So I don't know. I think honestly, if I'm being real, if I'm being who I think they gonna they gonna give it to Giannis. I think Giannis actually does deserve it. I think that block in yeah. that game 
it's like the LeBlanc with uh, LeBron when he chases yeah. down Iguodala. Like that changes everything. That was like the moment. That's the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah, man. Middle. So, so you got Middleton, but you you kind of so you think Middleton kind of deserves it. No, I want Giannis. I want Middleton to get it, but I know Giannis is he deserves it. Giannis. Giannis. Okay, I got you. You want Middleton to get it, but Giannis is probably gonna get it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, that's the only way I could go. Now, obviously, if the Suns win tonight, they're able to win the series. I think it's Devin Booker, but um, is Giannis, it Devin Booker if they win tonight? But what if it's because you know he said it's got to be the point guard. He's got to do it. So what if Chris Paul has one of these? Because he has had a good game. The first two games he played really good. He played, yeah, he played good. So if he has, a, if he bounces back in game six, what yeah, do you do now? It, it, you know, if he has like a 30 and 30 and 12 night, like in a game six on the road, I, I mean, he's in the combo again for sure. I think he has to be. So, I mean, right now, yeah, I'm with you. I, I would probably say it's Giannis. Um, I would question it, you know, with Chris Middleton and Giannis if they win tonight, just because Chris Middleton has hit the big shots. I mean, let's be real here. Um, game – Maybe not game five with the alley-oop, but game three and four, Chris Middleton hit the big shots. So I don't know. You know, it, it comes down to what you prefer, I guess. But Giannis be all over the floor. He, he's all over the goddamn floor. It's ridiculous. I will say this, though. It's been less about the Milwaukee winning and more about the Suns losing. Like, I think that yeah, – I do they, believe that as well. I don't really think – because, like, with the turnovers from Chris Paul, that's uncanny, uncharacteristic of him. yeah. I don't think he does that again. I, and like I said, I think everything lined up the last two games for Milwaukee to win. A lot of things had to go wrong for Phoenix, and I just don't see it in this type of game for that, all the things that go wrong. Game game five, bro, like Pat Connaughton, four for six from three. Come on, bro. <laughs> Bobby Portis hit two threes. I think Brooke Lopez hit one. I mean, they were hitting everything. That's crazy. Pat Connaughton like he worked at Radio Shack on his days off. <laughs> like, yes. That's how I feel about Pat Connaughton. No disrespect to Pat. Like I like Pat. He's a hard worker. Solid role player, man. He, he did, but he is. He is. A, he's a goofy. He's like Caruso. He like Caruso for the <laughs> Lakers. Like that. This <laughs> So, all right, JD, definitely get you out of here now, man. But um, as you guys heard it from JD, so you, you got this going game seven. Yeah, I'm gonna take it to game seven. I want it to be a game seven, so I'm gonna take it to game seven. I need. Something. I want it. I want it to be game seven. I still want the Bucks. I, I want the Bucks to win in seven, just so I'm like exactly right. But <laughs> hey, I nah, that's that's not really why I wanted to go game seven. I wanted to go game seven so I can watch more basketball because after this, we're gonna be stuck with this shitty ass USA team. So <laughs> I'm trying to watch some good basketball yeah. while I can. Um, but no, nah, I, I do think the Bucks close it out tonight. Um, just kind of a. A feeling. I think they brought it back to Milwaukee for a reason, and uh, I think they do get it done tonight. But you know, if the Suns show up, Chris Paul shows up, Aiton shows up. It's not really about Booker. It's no. about the rest of those guys, um, specifically CP3. If he can show up, they can get the, they can get a win on the road just like the Bucks did. Yeah. Like you said, the series starts when the when the first team wins a road game. So, True. Um, see if this this series is ready to go on. But, J.D., thank you, my man, producing the whole show. This is the future of Scotty Talks. This is what it's going to be because this is my permanent co-host. I just want yeah. y'all to know this. But Make I want to put something out there real quick, though. I yeah, want to yeah. separate myself. So today was a big day in DSM history, uh, DSM media history. We've had our a triple header. This is our first triple header. We had yeah. fanat- uh, Faithful Fanatics at four. We're on now. And then right after we get off of here, 
rolling right into will be Fairway to Heaven with Phil Stifel and Jason Sullivan. Guys, if you do anything with sports betting as far as golf, if you love the PGA Tour, any of that, this is the show for you. I don't know what you're doing. I know you're probably watching the finals, but put that on your TV and pop them up on your cell phone. Give them the like, give them the follow, give them the share. They know what they're talking about. They will make you some money. And if they don't make you some money, George will. George apparently picked a winner last week. So, <laughs> so yeah. See that in the chat, man. Good old George got, got the, the dub there. But, yes, as JD said, um, be sure tap into DSM Media. You want to hit that subscribe button. You want to turn those notifications on so you know when we're having triple headers like today. We had Austin on, you know, during my show. We had the Faithful Fanatics on earlier talking some baseball, talking some Eagles. We hit the NBA here. Now we're going to golf. We got you covered. As my man JD said, Phil and Jason, they got you covered. If you want to make some goddamn money, make sure you <laughs> tap into that golf show. Fairway to heaven. It is, it, it, it's honestly a well put together show in general, even if you don't even like golf. I yeah. watched the show. I learned shit about golf, like literally. And I'm, I'm somebody that I love being a student of every single sporting game. Right. So it, it's fun for me to learn. And so that's why I watch it. But you can get whatever you want out of the out of these uh, shows. We're providing content for you. We're providing entertainment. Make sure you tap in. Show some support to DSM Media. Um, I'm sure you guys have already heard about it. If you haven't, we are going to have the open tailgate on August 22nd at the Philadelphia Eagles open practice. It's going to be fun. We're going to provide pizza, beer, merch. Um, we'll get you involved. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Know exactly all the details, what time to meet up with us out there. Um, I think that's it. I plugged everything. Um, we got trending with four quarters with Phil Stifle tomorrow night. We got UFO with JD, Terrence, and Carm on Thursday night. Um, and then, of course, we got Faithful Fanatics the rest of the week. And me and Dylan will be back with you guys on Sunday for Turf Talk. So we're missing one. Got you covered. Which one? Am, oh, I'm missing the Diamond Talk. Diamond which, Talk, man. Which day is that? That's Thursday. Diamond, Diamond Talk is right now. It's Thursday, but they do. They will be doing post games for the Phillies because they're going to be the only team in um, in season here coming yeah. up in the Flyers. And apparently we might be having a hockey show. We are going to have a hockey show. We'll, we'll definitely get the details out on that very soon. Um, obviously, the Flyers just made a huge trade for Ryan Ellis. Um, we had actually Jason Meredith on uh, Faithful Fanatics yesterday. Go that check was, that out. Go check that out. Um, definitely some cool tidbits. He has a great hockey mind. He broke it all down for us why Ryan Ellis is the perfect uh, acquisition for the Flyers in order to build some new momentum, some new character there on that team. Um, but, yes, we got you covered at DSM Media. Follow us on Twitter at DSM underscore media. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Drown. You can find JD at JD Oracle underscore DDS. That is going to be it for this episode of Scotty Talks. Stay tuned for the after show, the outro there. You'll see exactly what we just went through with you, whole lineup of our shows. And then make sure you stick in there for Fairway to Heaven. Can't wait to watch you fill in, uh, Jason. It's going to be a good one. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. That's going to be it for Scotty. Peace. Peace. Don't really know if you feel me, though, but that's real. I'm not doing this to be iced out in the pen I make boss moves and I know they're going to resent me. 
put the weight on my back. Just for the status, I'm trying to get plaques. Out of this atlas, I ain't coming back. So 